0: Thank you for downloading from the Great Commission Society. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about our global ministry and team at www.greatcommissionsociety.com.
1: Charles Spurgeon told of an evening when he was riding home after a heavy day's work. He felt weary and depressed when as suddenly as a lightning flash he thought of 2 Corinthians 12 9, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, I should think it so, Lord, and burst out laughing. He said that it seemed to make unbelief so absurd. It was as though some little fish, being very thirsty, was troubled about drinking the river dry. And the river said, drink away, little fish, my stream is sufficient for you. Or it seemed after the seven years of plenty, a mouse feared that it would die of famine. And Joseph might say, cheer up, little mouse, my granaries are sufficient for you or a man away up on a mountain saying to himself, I fear I shall exhaust all the oxygen in the atmosphere. But the earth might say, breathe away, O man, and fill your lungs. My atmosphere is sufficient for you. Little faith will bring our souls to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to us.
0: Most Christians agree that when Jesus told his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, he gave the church its mission until the end of the age. It's much harder, however, to gain consensus on how the Church is to fulfil that mission today. Hello and welcome to our GCS podcast with author and evangelist, Tony Anthony. The Great Commission is one of the most significant passages in the Bible, and yet somewhere along the way, Christians seem to have lost confidence that the Bible actually gives the Church instructions for fulfilling it. Despite the simplicity and clarity of our Lord's mandate, we seem so far off course from this mission today. What fundamental truths could we be missing? And what changes do we need to make in our lives to make disciples of all nations? Let's join Tony as he examines the last recorded personal instruction given by Jesus to his disciples in this concluding part of the Great Commission.
1: Over the years, I've met so many evangelical Christians around the world that seem to be suffering from an identity crisis. And there was a study by the Barna Research Institute that revealed that a majority of churchgoers are completely unfamiliar with the term the Great Commission. Now, of course, the Great Commission we've been looking at is how the church has long identified Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to 20, where Jesus tells his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, a number of years ago, there was a study conducted by the Barna Research Institute in the United States. And it was looking at topics such as the church's ideas about mission and social justice, Bible translation and other aspects of spreading the gospel around the world. And interestingly, when asked if they had previously heard of the Great Commission, half of US churchgoers, that's 51%, said that they don't know what that term means. There was one in four, that's 25%, said that they heard the term but weren't sure what it really meant. And sadly, only 17% said that they knew the Great Commission is Jesus assigning his followers to spread the gospel. Isn't that amazing? So what's gone wrong here? Why has there been such a loss of understanding of the actual Great Commission of the church? Well, we've been looking very carefully at this Great Commission being a mission to evangelise. We've also looked at how this mission is also based on truth, is based on Jesus himself. And the fact that Jesus claims authority, all authority in heaven and earth are given to him. And now he passes that on to us to be able to carry this good news into the world. And it's all about going forward to make disciples. So what were Jesus' followers to do? it was to make disciples, but what does it mean to make disciples? You know, are disciples people who've lost their minds? You know, when we look at the church of today, we may think that's what a disciple is—one who's not going to think for themselves or one who's lost their minds—but not at all. That's not what the word disciple means. A disciple is one who exercises their mind and hears the gospel. Or the disciple is is a, is a student, a, a learner. You know, disciples are those who understand the gospel that Christ died for their sins was buried, was raised for our justification by the glory of the Father on the third day according to the scriptures. A disciple understands that Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see friends, disciples are those who love the gospel with their whole hearts and surrender themselves totally to the lordship of this universal King, Jesus Christ. And now being united with the King of the universe, you know, we have nothing else to fear. No fear of being killed by world powers because of our allegiance to Christ. A disciple knows that not even a hair on their heads shall truly ever perish. Why? Because their king is the resurrection and the life and has power over death itself. And so how were the apostles to make disciples? Well, first, step number one, by preaching the gospel. Now the apostles didn't preach a discounted Christianity, one that presented Jesus as Saviour but not as Lord. No, not at all. They preached that Jesus is a universal Lord, a Lord of the universe, and so he's a Saviour of his people. For example, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, in the power of the Holy Spirit, spoke of the death, burial, and resurrection and exaltation of Christ. And we're told his listeners were cut to the heart So what was happening there? You see, the Lord by the Spirit was convicting sinners. He was opening their closed, dead, rebellious hearts, just as he also opened the hearts of Lydia in Philippi in Acts 16. And that's the miracle of regeneration, this actual calling of God. And when people do not believe in this regeneration, they then begin to preach a discounted gospel. They'll just start, you know, separating the different parts of of the message that that they seem to like best. They'll either emphasize, well, just believe and nothing else. You know, don't say sorry for your sins and don't make any change. Just believe and that's it. (laughs) But wait a minute, doesn't Satan believe in God? (laughs) But that doesn't save him, does it? And then there's others that focus on just repent, repent, repent. And they do. uh, And it's almost like there's so many Christians that get that wrong as well, because they seem to never recognize that they're also fully forgiven. You see, we've got to preach a full gospel. You know, we've got to put our faith in this Jesus Christ. We've got to believe without seeing. We've also got to then follow through as well. And there surely has to be evidence of that by us, you know, recognizing what's wrong in our lives and saying sorry for the things we've done wrong, saying sorry for the things that our Lord Jesus Christ died for on the cross. And then, of course, live in that victory, in that freedom that we are now forgiven because our sins were paid for at Calvary. You see, as a result of Peter's preaching, people repented of their sins. And let me assure you, they repented enough to hate and forsake their sins. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They repented and they believed. You know, to the Philippian jailer, Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. You know, indeed, we are saved by grace alone and through faith alone. Faith is our vital connection with Christ. Faith is trusting in him forever. And of course, once we've repented to, uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to fully believe and understand that we are forgiven. The next aspect of the Great Commission is about baptism, you know, and that is what the Lord Jesus Christ has commanded us. You know, the Great Commission says disciples must be baptised. And baptism is the sign of separation from the world and a union with this triune God that we live for. It's a sign of submission to the rule of Jesus, the Lord of all. It is the sign of entrance into the covenant community of the great king of entering into a vital, lasting relationship with the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we move into the next stage, teaching them to obey. You know, as I said, a disciple's not one who's lost their minds, but one who exercises their minds. They must learn the gospel and then be able to teach it on to others. So many evangelical Christians are on the end of the spectrum where there's not much mind but a lot of feeling and, you know, mindlessness characterizes much evangelism and Christianity that I see today. On the other end, our churches were so steeped in the intellectual understanding of doctrine that they enjoy arguing and defending it, but there's no real practice of Christian love among them. You know, we've got to have balance. There should be doctrine along with godly living. And so Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, said, teaching them to obey. And that means life. You know, Jesus is not referring to the Greek idea of acquiring, you know, theoretical knowledge from a guru or a master for some sort of fee. No, the teaching of the Lord and King is for living. We must obey Jesus Christ totally without selective obedience. You see, as the Lord Jesus Christ was instructing his disciples, he was teaching them to obey all things that he commanded them. In the book of Acts, we read that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the teaching of the Lord of the apostles. So let me say it again. This idea that you can receive Jesus as saviour but not as lord is somewhat of a lie on the basis of this great commission. Let me prove this idea to you from other parts of scripture. In Acts chapter 5, verses 29 and 32, we find a Greek word, pitarchio, which means obedience to a superior authority. Now verse 29 tells us, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The idea there is that they must obey the superior authority, and that's God rather than people. And verse 32, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. That is lordship, isn't it? That that means our total obedience and surrender to him is essential. And of course, Paul, he spoke of this issue. You know, what was the purpose of his apostolic calling? In Romans 1 verse 5, he wrote, Through him and for his name's sake we received grace and apostleship to call people from among the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. See, what did Paul understand about making disciples and teaching? Well, in Romans chapter 6, verse 17, he said, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves of sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And if you move on to Romans 15, verse 18, Paul also wrote, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God. In Romans 16, verse 19, we read, Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I'm full of joy over you. And of course, in verse 26, Paul wrote of the proclamation of Jesus Christ, which was previously hidden. We read, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey. You see, the whole of the Bible must be taught. The church refuses to have a vigorous teaching ministry, of the infallible Word of God is not fulfilling this great commission, and those who discount Christianity and present a, a Christ who is less than the sovereign Lord should be ashamed of themselves for misrepresenting the commission. Such preaching is not making of disciples it's it's a slightly ever so slightly adjusted gospel that a you know a, a modern evangelism is quite often based on and and that type of preaching is not what the lord in So what else do we find in this great commission? Well, Jesus gives his disciples a great word of consolation. Remember in Matthew 10, Jesus said he was sending the disciples out like sheep among the wolves. Well, the Lord of the church understands there's a problem in the world, a big problem, and that his disciples will need consolation. And so the consolations given. He says, surely in the Greek, it is idu, meaning behold. See, remember, keep in mind that I, the one who's given universal dominion, power, rule and authority, the one who must reign and put down and destroy all rule, power and dominion, am with you. And the fact that he's with us is absolutely fantastic news. You see, this is not a a Christ who's weeping and pleading with us to come and believe in him. You know, may God help us to have a proper view of the risen Christ. Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm with you. Meaning he's with every child of God who's in this world. He's with everyone who's shining as a light, as a witness to Jesus Christ, who's sharing the true gospel to a hostile world. And I want you to really remember that where he says, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. In Matthew 1.23, we were given a name for Jesus. They will call him Emmanuel. And what does that mean? It means God with us. And in Matthew 18.20, Jesus himself said, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. You. You know, God is with us individually. God is with us when we gather together as a church. God is with us when we're in lockdown, when we're isolated. You know, God will be with us when we're among the wolves in the world. God is with us. You've got to remember that. You know, we're weak, but he's strong. We may be foolish, but he is surely wise. You see, Jesus said, I am with you always. In the Greek, you don't need to use the word (laughs) ime, meaning I am. But here, Jesus adds it. He doesn't mean I will be or I may be, but he's emphasising I am with you as saviour, Lord, God, shepherd, physician, friend, captain, saviour. I am with you. Jesus is saying this. I'm with you. He's with us when we're alone, when we're in church, when we're out in the world. He's with us to bless us, defend us, guide us, forgive us, strengthen us, heal us and provide for us every step of the way. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.14, Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. That's the beauty of the gospel. To all of my fellow brothers and sisters out there in the world that are looking to share the gospel or looking to evangelise, just please remind yourself of those words. I will be with you always. You know, in John 14, 18, Jesus promises disciples, I will not leave you as orphans, meaning as those who are homeless and defenseless and without parents. You know, he will be with us by his Holy Spirit. He'll be with us always. He'll be with us every moment of every day, all of our days until the very end of the age. So that means that when we're young, He's with us. When we're old, He's with us. When we're weak, He's with us. When we're strong, He's with us. When we're sick, He's with us. When we're healthy, He's with us. When we're poor, He's with us. When we're rich, He's with us. When we're attacked, He's with us. When we're hated, He's with us. When we're beaten, He's with us. When we're stoned, as Stephen was, He's with us. When we're martyred, He'll be with us. He gives grace, doesn't He? Though we go through the floods and the fire, God will be with us all the days of our lives. We tend to think he doesn't know our situation and problems, but he does. And when we go through fire, as was you know Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fire, he'll be with us as well. As he was with the Israelites in the wilderness, he'll be with us. You're worried about sharing the gospel with somebody, he'll be with you. Maybe you shared the gospel with somebody and it didn't go quite well, according to your opinion, he's still with you. You're going to try to share the gospel again, he'll be with you then as well. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, I love these words where God says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And then the writer of the Hebrews says in verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Paul, you know, to Paul, this Christ said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect through weakness. You've got to remember these words. And Paul drew this tremendous conclusion. He said in verse 10, When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And what a wonderful declaration that we can all echo from Philippians 4.13 that declares, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. You know, Jesus blesses the disciples. In Luke 24.50, we read that Jesus lifted up his hands and blessed them. You know, Jesus and his disciples had been on the Mount of Olives, hadn't they, for a few days before he was arrested and crucified. But now he was back as the lord of all the universe, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the great high priest. So we're told that here he lifted up his hands and blessed them. In Luke 1, if you remember, we saw a priest unable to bless. Zechariah was judged for his unbelief and became dumb. He was supposed to give the Aaronic blessing to the people, but he couldn't do it for some reason. But here, at the end of Luke's gospel, we see the great high priest, one after the order of Melchizedek, who offered himself up as a, as acceptable sacrifice to God on our behalf. He lifted up his hands and blessed the disciples. You know, I think of a blessing like the one from Numbers six verses twenty four to twenty six, that says, "The Lord bless you and keep you; the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you; the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace." What an amazing sort of blessing that he could bless them with and he could bless us with today. That's the result of this propitiatory sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. The Lord has turned his face now towards those who believe in him. The high priest is the reason. God has given us peace in Christ. He said, I am with you always to bless us, keep us and give us peace. Give us the words to be able to share the gospel. You know, in Luke twenty-four fifty-two, it says the disciples who were timid, fearful and hiding now returned to Jerusalem of great joy as a result of this blessing. You see, they hid no longer. They went to the temple to praise and worship God. The Lord really blessed them and gave them a real peace. He gave them courage and boldness. Soon afterwards, they received the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill the Great Commission, beginning in Jerusalem and going to the ends of the earth. You know, William Carey was right. The Lord expects the commission to continue until he comes again. And so drawing this back to us now, remember that the Lord of the universe who is with the apostles, he's with us too. When we're alone, he's with us. When we're in the church, he's with us. When wherever you are in the world, he's with us. That same Christ who is with them is with us right now. And so let us really declare the whole gospel without fear and with great confidence Now, jesus saves what else jesus judges so let us proclaim this gospel in our lives by our words until he comes again he's going to come again with great joy to save the people that he's he's saved and destroy judge and pour out his wrath over his enemies it's his job he must reign until he puts down every rebel so may god effectually call you and open your heart that you may respond to the great claim of Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message.
0: Please subscribe and leave a rating and review to help others find our podcast. At GCS, our mission is to communicate the gospel message relevantly to every person in the world. One way we do this is by providing practical resources to help you grow in your faith and present the Christian faith across different cultures. You find out more about our resources at www.greatcommissionsociety.com If you would like to donate to our efforts, be sure to contact us, or you can donate online. GCS is a listener-supported ministry and is chaired by a board of directors in Edinburgh, UK.